So, uh, why is Data having a party? Um, so, uh, turns out he's a person. Alright. Yeah. They left that a bit late, didn't they? Like, I feel like they should have sorted that out when he joined. Yeah, it's like when you start a new job and you have to give in your credentials. Yeah. Surely, surely, surely above are you legally allowed to work in this country isn't as important a question as are you a person. I used to uh, have, I, I once had a job uh, where a guy kept hiring toasters. <laughs> but the thing was, he himself had a bit of a toaster fetish. It was, right, to be okay. honest, it was the worst run bar in Scotland. The cheese toasties were incredible. There were so many of them, all the time. But you couldn't get a pint for love nor money. My my big thing with it is this, though. I'm just going to say this, right? Imagine if he'd been captured, right? And, like, we would have sent an away team over, right? Right? And it probably would have been, like, you know, two of the big wigs and, like, someone we know yeah. who isn't coming back, no. right? Two or three guys die. They bring him back. And then next... McKenzie. Yeah, and then next week we find out he's not a person, right? I would feel fucking gutted for him. Imagine having to write that letter home. Uh, sorry your son died, but don't worry, he brought back a really important piece of equipment. To be fair, um, like I say, my old boss did have to write a lot of letters home uh, to the parents of the barmaids that he uh, that he kept electrocuting in the bath. Shocking. A Frontier. These are the voyages of the podcast Captain's Slug. Its ongoing mission to explore strange new episodes, to seek out new jokes and new references, to split infinitives that no one has split before. Captain Slug, Stardate 34. These are the continued voyages of me, Eddie Edwards, and my friend and colleague, Mr. Mark O'Neill, as we trek our way through all of Star Trek. This week, it's Measure of a Man. But yeah. before we get to that, <laughs> before we get to that, hey, Ben Mark, what have you been up to? Uh, yeah, fine. Yeah, I'm going on holiday. Hey, where are you going? Uh, I'm going to Ireland tomorrow. Tomorrow, the day <laughs> after tomorrow. It won't matter. That's it. By the time this episode comes out, we will yeah. have already been... Yeah, same here. I'm going to Glastonbury so, the weekend that you have just had. Yeah, uh, I could say I could say anything. It won't matter. That's how temporal. That's like the, the temporal prime directive, isn't it? Don't mention your holiday because it's already happened. Um, <laughs> I think the podcast prime directive is don't mention your holiday because then people could rob you while you're away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, if they want to rob me, they could actually do it for the week starting now because we're actually away again. Um, we're going Ooh. to Greece for a second wedding. Ooh. We've got two weddings. Oh right, okay. And that's 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 pretty that's pretty much it. And then, I've, other than that, not not a whole lot, man. I've I've started playing Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Is it is it is it is it is it just a game at this point, or is it still a fucking shambles? Oh, it's fine. It works. Okay. Um, okay. I've not, there, there are some problems with it, but it it works. It's it's fine. I suppose nothing really to report on it. 
but it's not like I was told by everyone in the seven years leading up to its release, the king of blowjob mountain, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I've, my main character's quite like I, I, as as a as a raging feminist. Um, whenever I get the chance to create a character, I always make her a smoking hot chick. Um, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, Same here. no, I mean equal equal opportunities in that. Um, <laughs> so, um, I, I, maybe I, I mean at one point she'll probably give someone a blowjob. I, I have no idea. I, I technically I will be in charge of making sure, not making sure of of determining whether or not that will happen. And thus far, her her actions haven't. They haven't. I guess they haven't really precluded the chance that she's going to suck someone off. But thus far, <laughs> um, the only the only people that she's really run into are a sheriff that gives her a hard time for being like a nomad outsider, um, okay. a, a mechanic that can't fix a car as well as she does, um, and her own best friend, uh, a man named right. Jackie Wells. So that, thus far, I have not been tempted to suck anyone off. But you know, but you are going to meet Keanu Reeves at some point in the narrative. So, but he's a ghost or something. What? <laughs> yeah, so he's he's like a data ghost. So he's dead, but his data was saved in a like a mind chip. I think. So he's just so, and and he's in a band as well. He was like a guitarist. So did somebody at Cyberpunk just get Bill and Ted and the Matrix and just shove them at each other? Yeah. <laughs> what if Neo from the Matrix was? Bill? Ted. He was Bill. No. Was he? Fuck. I had a 50-50 shot and I got it wrong. <laughs> you don't need to learn them individually. They stand next to each other in every scene. They also uh, stand <laughs> in the order. Oh, like they? Ant and Deck. Oh, and Deck, yeah. Oh, I like Ant and Deck do that. It's nice of them. Yeah. How, how are you doing? Mm. So I went to a wedding this weekend. Oh, yeah. I was one of, I, was one of, I would say, 10 people who were there. It was okay. I can say this because Emma's Emma's dad's never going to listen to this podcast. It was Emma's dad's wedding, and he's a weird guy. Uh, his entire his entire side of his, his side of the wedding was Emma, me, and his son. Not his parents, not his like close family. I don't know, I don't know why. Uh, and then after we after we had the wedding, we went to like a pub around the corner for a meal. Mm. You know, standard wedding fare. <laughs> it's his third wedding as well. I should point that out. So, oh, that's a cheap one. Uh, yeah. And then, for reasons I don't know, but he wanted to go somewhere where like the booze was cheap. We we went to the Royal British Legion. He's never been in the army. Uh, <laughs> he, he counts because he counts because he does uh, like navy cadets. Right. Not he, he doesn't do navy cadets. He's in charge. He he is in charge involved in the running of the navy cadets program. His entire, I mean, his entire family, like Emma's entire that side of her family, they're all like really into like the navy and stuff. And like after I've met them for the first time, I was like talking to Emma. I was like, "So what? Um, when did you like your, your granddad serve in the navy?" And she was just like, "No, no, none of them have ever <laughs> have ever been." It's weird, but we end up in the Royal so British they, Legion. So they just like the navy the same way that you and I like Starfleet. Yeah, yeah. He's just a fan. He's just a big fan. <laughs> I don't know if they have conventions. I don't know if. Uh, and, and you, obviously the difference is you can't just buy a uniform online and dress. Well, you can, but people give you dirty looks. But, um, <laughs> so we're in the Royal British Legion, and like 
I want to say they've not taken any bunting down since the Jubilee, but I'm 90% certain this is what it looks like all the time, right? <laughs> There's a cardboard cutout of the Queen in the corner, right? And after we've been sat in there for a little while, we've got, got we've only got a pint in, a mm. pint in at this point. And then a guy comes up on stage and says the following sentence, which I never thought I'd ever hear at a wedding, Mark, which is, obviously today marks the 40th anniversary of the end of the Falklands War. <laughs> <laughs> which, yeah. That's obviously, because you haven't obviously. heard uh, my best man speech. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say this as well. Um, uh, his his wife's um, kids were there, and when I say kids, they're about the same age as, as like us. They're like thirty in their thirties. Yeah, yeah. We were chat, and we were. I was chatting to them outside, and the subjects of the royal family came up, and one of them went, "Oh, you don't want to hear my opinion on the royal family." And we were in Southampton, and I'm like. You might be saying that because you're used to usual Southampton sort of thing, but I'm pretty certain from the way you've said that that we've got the same opinion. <laughs> uh, and then, um, yeah, so we had a lengthy uh, conversation about the benefit of the Republic. Uh, and um, then we got into there, and there was a moment where uh, they were walking past, I was like, I think we should keep our political opinions to ourselves in it. <laughs> it's, but yeah, well, then after saying the, like, obviously, because it's obvious, Mark, everybody knows it's the 40th anniversary of the Falklands. Everyone knows that. Yep. It's all over the news. Couldn't, couldn't move. <laughs> couldn't move. Hashtag Falky Jubs or whatever was trending. I don't know. Party. Um, <laughs> 40. So then, at a wedding, we all had to like put our heads down while they said a brief prayer for the war dead. <laughs> <laughs> and shortly after that, we left uh, and got some Corona to drink on the um, drink on the train home. While me and Emma discovered discussed the um, issues of being a family member of a malignant narcissist, uh, <laughs> which is which is very much the, the the common clay that holds us together as a couple. Uh, <laughs> oh. Yeah, fucking weird weekend. Sounds good though, man. Um, yeah. How do they know that cardboard cutouts are the right height? <laughs> I think they, uh, at this point... The, the queen's so old and frail that they just lay her down and photocopy her. <laughs> like, they put a plank behind her back first, like, put a bit of rope around yeah. her, just, like, fl- flop her, put her in a machine, close the lid, off it goes, and they go, quick, shove that on a banknote. <laughs> <laughs> do you think you could find, because I've, you do occasionally see cardboard cutouts of the queen, and she's always in, like, a, a kind of bright coloured outfit. Do you think you could find enough cardboard cutouts of the Queen to make a pride flag? <laughs> I, okay, it depends. Yeah. Are you going with a traditional pride flag or the updated one that also represents trans people and people of colour? Because I doubt you're going to get the people of colour in. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those shades of black and, black and brown. No, she's never been... If you notice, she's never even been photographed close enough to Megan that you could do a double cardboard cutout. I don't know, man. You could find out she did wear black to that funeral. Oh yeah, yeah. You could. I'm sure. I'm sure that in the in the long, in in the business of cardboard cutouts of the Queen, there must be some like Prince as, Philip funeral variants. As <laughs> special edition, it was uh, penciled by John Romita Jr. <laughs> um, but... One thing I will say is, like, and I say this to somebody who genuinely thinks that the uh, the royal family should be abolished. It is pretty fucking funny that p- 
Partygate was going on whilst she was at Prince Philip's funeral. Because it's just great to be like, to even the people who should be the most hardcore, ardent Boris Johnson fans, just be like booing him at the Jubilee. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Fucking hell. Yeah. Anyway. Right. Star Trek. To start with, um, like we, me and Mark, after we finished recording last week, had a little chat where Mark said the phrase, I'm worried we might have hyped this up too much. And I want to just be... This is... this. I watched it, and it, it's so good. Yeah. It's so good. Um, it's, first, it starts strong, Mark. starts very strong with... Um, we'll put the O'Brien watch jingle in. O'Brien watch. Uh, because we get Poker O'Brien turns up straight away. Pug, pug, bra, pug. No, it's not going to work. There's no, there's no variants <laughs> version of the work. Poker O'Brien, Poker O'Brien. Yeah, yeah. If, if you don't, if you don't know, if we've not made it clear, well, we've sucked this episode's dick in the past. Uh, this is the episode where a courtroom drama takes place uh, to determine whether or not data counts as a person, and it's. Star Trek's courtroom dramas are weirdly some of the best stuff Star Trek does. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm very much of the belief that really good sci-fi can just be two people in a room talking about a thing. And that's always... like It's my, it's a, it's my favourite thing in Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Does it really well. Um, it's my, But in Star Trek... Like I was watching this episode and Emma was working on a computer and she started to like just turn around every now and then. She was like, is this the episode where Patrick Stewart finally proved that he was better than Star Trek and didn't need to be in it and everybody else should up their game? And I was like, well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, it, and then Pure she got Patrick. to the end and he did, this, he did the speech and she was just like, oh, holy fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it, it's not the first... It's not the first Picard speech, but I'd, we've actually had so few of them over the last yeah. two seasons that it's pretty close. It's in the first half a dozen. Yeah, um, and it's the first that goes longer than like two minutes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's a full closing statement. Um, yeah. It, it's a it's a it's a it's a statement of intent for the concept of Star Trek. Yeah, uh, it's yeah, yeah. yeah it's because and the thing is, well, there's no. It is. It, it, I mean, the best bit is at the end of it when he starts to acapella sing the Star Trek theme tune. <laughs> when, he's, when he's just yeah. he's just done this really intense sort of uh, new life and and there it sits. Do 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 do. And then, <laughs> and then he goes to sit down, and um, the judge says, "Is that all?" And he just looks over and goes, "Suck that, Shatner." Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then he goes, "Space, the final frontier." That was his other. That was his other closing. Do you have any closing statements? Yes, allow me to do the. Uh, allow me to do the Stop speech this. from the intro, please. <laughs> Um, I'm going to say something controversial about that speech. Um, I think the best version is the version on Strange New Worlds. Anson Mount is amazing, genuinely. Yeah, yeah. Laura yeah. and I were talking about this when we we watched a couple of episodes the other day. Because um, she she's only ever really seen 
uh, Next Gen and Strange New World. And the the space, the final frontier, like every every show with a captain does it, right? Well, yeah. So um, I don't. You don't get it in Voyager, right? Because um, it's a different thing. They're not exploring. Yeah. They're not on a. And you don't get it with Deep Space Nine because they don't go anywhere. Yeah. So, but um, but there's been. I don't know. I think there was a. It was. It wasn't used every episode in Enterprise, but it was like hinted at, and I think it's used in Discovery as well. It's yes, just, because in, uh, if I recall right, in Enterprise they make a big deal out of, um, kind of where they uh, where they come up with, like that, like that speech, like it's it's a thing that jo- that uh, Captain Archer says. Yeah, it's that, to do yeah. with the birth of the Federation. Yeah, uh, and it's like it's yeah, it's a variant of that, I think. But yeah, it's. Yes, fucking great. Yeah. But um but not answer now is well we we were the reason we were discussing it is we were like well surely they they must all do it quite differently like Shatner really leans into almost the kind of action yeah. side of it. Picard quite subdued. Doesn't really yeah. emphasize on anything and then Anson mounts. It's it's really it's almost kind of wistful like it's it, yeah. it is kind of far away and optimistic and Kind of what you, what you want, want from yeah. yeah, fucking love it. It's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, um, but let's not let's not spend too long sucking strange new worlds, Dick. Especially it's... when we're here to talk about the best episode of next year. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah. Again, as I said, I'm. This is kind of my first time through with next gen. Really, uh, I've seen the odd episode here and there. Uh, I've seen the important ones. I've seen the Borg episodes, um, but this is one I have seen before. I've actually seen this more than once. And I I don't know how Star Trek I don't know how it's going to better. I I I I as I I can say with full confidence as a man who hasn't seen any more episodes of Star Trek <laughs> after this that this is the best one. Uh, full stop. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 astonishing. So the the the, the plot is essentially um, like just to explain it in broad terms. There's a guy called Bruce Maddox who is a guy who's been studying cybernetics his whole life, and he's studied specifically data quite a lot. And he's reached a point where he's, like, hit a wall in his research. So he wants to, like, take data apart. But he's like, oh, I'll back your memories up, and I'll put you back together afterwards, and you'll be fine. And data's like, well, based on what you've told me of your research, I don't think I will be fine, and I think this will kill me. Therefore, I do not offer consent. Yeah. And Maddox is like, well, I've got transfer orders, fuck you so that is like well then i quit starfleet which is fair enough and then a maddox tries to argue that data is property uh and therefore can't leave starfleet mm-hmm. but i mean if it's property he can't join starfleet so he belongs to it's not finders keepers it's not like <laughs> starfleet found him on a that can't be the rule right i mean Surely. that is what happened though starfleet just found him on a planet yeah and went ours And didn't look behind that obvious fake rock wall. No, they don't, they don't have Jordy there to, to spot the stunt <laughs> double wall. Um, I, but, and, 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 yeah, and I guess they bring him in and, and they say, like, do you want to go through Starfleet Academy? At what point did that come yeah. up? Because obviously they, they bring like, so they bring this android in and they sit him down. And, and I, I assume that when they kind of bring him in, he's almost like a sort of newborn. Like, I don't think he'll, I, I guess he already had the ability to communicate and stuff, but... Yeah, but then it's like who who does that job? Who's the first person? Like, is that a counselor's job to be the first person to go in and sit with them? 
Or do you just get some random ensign to go in and fucking hang out with a guy? And, like, yeah. figure out what he's about? <laughs> and at one point, he's probably, like, oh, well, I've exhausted all um, all avenues of conversation I can think of, which was, uh, how was life on that f- planet, uh, <laughs> which is just a big rock, and... Uh, do your people have secret rock doors to which they as like I have no idea um, so that's it that's, that's all the chat going so then he like uh, have you heard of uh, Starfleet nope <laughs> oh well uh, let me tell you about what is apparently the only job <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe Data really wanted to be a chef but but like that just nobody ever mentioned it to him that that was yeah. an option Oh. Um, so spe- speaking of something been the only job, right? So big, 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 big major shout out uh, to Melissa Snodgrass, the writer of this episode, and uh, yeah. she was an ex-attorney. Oh, which is pretty cool. Awesome. Also, some really fun facts. Uh, the reason that this episode came about is because of once again the 1988 writers' strike. So oh. they had to go through all the submitted scripts. They found this one and they went, yep, let's do that. That seems pretty good. Uh, she has always maintained that even though Data obviously features pretty heavily in this episode, uh, this is not a Data episode. She says this is a Picard episode. Okay, so here's what I wanted to say about that. Because yeah. I agree with you, this is more a Picard episode. But I think we need to discuss something that I think gets overlooked a lot yeah. when discussing this episode. Jonathan Frakes' performance as Riker phenomenal. is phenomenal. Yeah. Because to, so to give you the, the context, if you listen to this, you haven't seen the episode, um, the decision is basically, if there isn't going to be a trial, it's a new station, it hasn't been fully staffed yet, so there's one person there who's like in charge of like justice and stuff like that. She's at the JAG office. And Picard which means the judge. Yeah, but also they hate each other. Yeah. The, the Picard like. Yeah, Picard literally like flirts with her by saying he wants to hit her with a chair. So <laughs> she just, is French. Just... She's got a French <laughs> name, so I get it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so she's like, okay, well, we have to have a trial, and if we don't have a trial, I have to summarily rule against Data. Um, um, and I think she's saying that mainly because the idea of watching Picard argue this turns her on. So <laughs> she goes, okay. So the two highest-ranking officers I have access to are Picard you will be representing Data, and Riker, you will be representing the counterpoint. And Riker's like, well, no, I don't agree with the concept that Data isn't a person. He's my... And I want to point this out. He specifically says he's his comrade. Mm. He's also got a big beard and he wears red. Mm. Just throwing this out there. (laughs) Riker is related to Stalin. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, the point is that she says, well, if we don't have a trial and you don't do this to the best of your ability, then it rules against Data. So... Riker's best option to make sure that his friend doesn't get killed is to argue as well as he can to have his friend killed and just hope that his boss, who fortunately is the classically trained Shakespearean in the yeah, will be able to defeat him in a court of law. Yeah. So there's little moments like throughout, like there's a bit where he like clocks something in like a, comes up with his like legal argument. And he like smiles to himself, like, oh yeah, job well done. And then immediately he's like, Oh, I'm a I like he's really upset. And even in the court, when he like has a great flourish of an argument, he then like sits down afterwards and is like, oh, I hate myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um So there's an extended edition of this episode that adds in a bunch of other scenes. Um one of which is uh 
uh, an extended version of Data's farewell party in 10 Forward, um, in which Pulaski gives, gives Data advice on where to live after leaving Starfleet, which I can only assume is not on my street. <laughs> <laughs> um, Have you considered the cold darkness of space, Data? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anywhere but here would be great. Uh, but there's also a scene where Picard, before the trial, Picard and Riker Picard is yet again fencing. And I don't think it is the holodeck, I think it's just the, the fencing room. And yeah. Riker comes in and says, I'm going to, th- I've got you beat. Like, I. Yeah. I have I have an unbeatable argument. And, and it's. I, I kind of take it as you're going to have to really, really, really pull something out of the fucking bag here, Jean Luc. Yeah. Um, but. Cause, sorry, go on. Yeah, because Riker, what Riker does is he very successfully demonstrates right, uh, Data as a machine. Like, they take his arm off, um, and then he, um, like, that runs through his, like, specs. Yeah. And then, like, turns him off. And, like, all stuff that you can't do to a person. Well, except, here's the thing. Except you, you it, can. Except to a person <laughs> who has a prosthetic arm and is in the... the like, like around the, the fucking... The, around chloroform. Yeah, if you've got a hypospray in Star Trek, you can knock any fucker out. Yeah. Uh, so I don't... Also, no, I we get... can cure death now. <laughs> so therefore, someone who has yeah. died, that's not even the end of that person. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love I love the Geordie line the in this, though. That was the one that yeah. I was looking for there. Sorry, go on. <laughs> yeah. I like this. So there's a line Data has about Geordie where he points out Geordie's eyes are better than the average person's eyes. And he's like, so why doesn't Starfleet blind everybody who joins <laughs> and, uh, and Picard's like you raise a very good point data yeah <laughs> but um, the idea, he's trying to prove that he's conscious and it's the idea what what Picard's uh, argumentative tact that he's told to do by Guinan um, is he he comes up with the idea that if they uh, cr- sorry uh, Picard's fucking uh, tact that he's told to uh, that he's he's taught to bring up by Guinan is is essentially uh, play the race card. <laughs> she's like, how do you think I got? She's like, how do you think I got this job? Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like you could employ the. You know, with, I was in the running against some other equally qualified people, and I was like, well, if you want to have an all-white ship, uh, I'm certain it'll make Pulaski happy. But there is a really beautiful uh, Guinan moment between Patrick Stewart and Whoopi Goldberg. Where they, they talk about you know in in times past and in, in other planets and in other civilizations etc. There are people who have been considered property and what happens yeah. to them and you know how are they able to grow and 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 become real people. Um, and then Picard says so it's a bit like slavery, and Guinan's like mm, I don't know if I'd quite go that far. Actually, it seems a bit harsh. <laughs> it's like this, sorry. <laughs> like, it seems, it seems like this. These maybe these maybe these little roles should be reversed. Maybe maybe the maybe the woman quite famous uh, for the color purple um, should be the one who's I, like this is a bit like slavery. I've got a sneaking suspicion that the reason that line exists was that the people who created Star Trek were like, let us let's let's for once after everything we've done so far in this fucking show. Step with caution and not go to people watching this who might be black. <laughs> hey, see what's happening with data? Yeah, it's just as bad as slavery, isn't it? Because <laughs> they'll probably go, 
No. No, it's not. Because, <laughs> yeah. It, yeah the, it could get to that point, potentially. Yes. But it's not there. Yeah, yeah that's the, yeah. the argument that's made, and it's, it's a brilliant argument, is if we let them take data apart and they successfully create more datas, will data become standard issue on every ship? Will we roll them out and let them all do the exploring? And then the argument is, are you 100% certain he doesn't have consciousness? Because if you're not 100% certain, you are taking a massive risk that we are about to do one of history's greatest atrocities. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> We're about to do a Holocaust 3.0, because I assume there was a 2.0 at some point. <laughs> yeah, the genetic... We, we've been through yeah. eugenics war and the atomic horror. There was definitely a second Holocaust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but the... Well, you never see a captain called Bernstein. Uh... <laughs> So, uh, something, something else we forgot to mention earlier. Uh, there, there is a Star Trek. There is an admiral in this. Um, yes, yes, there is. Very and, fancy uh, admiral. Very fancy admiral. And uh, when he comes onto the ship, uh, they take the turbo lift up to the to the bridge. And when the door opens, pick, uh, Riker leans out and shouts, "Admiral on the bridge!" Which to me, to, it's either like, but because the thing is, no one stands to attention or anything. So I don't even think that's that's like a everybody be prepared to be respectful. I think that's a everyone watch out. Some crazy's about to come into the room. That's <laughs> the 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 phrase uh, "admiral on the bridge" is actually interchangeable with "yellow alert." <laughs> <laughs> um, the, uh, what the one thing that I find very odd in this episode though is that they, 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 it's it's got a little bit of a slight failing that Star Trek sometimes has. Where um, they use the word human, like he's like, "Oh, data's not human." It's like, well, loads of people in fucking Starfleet aren't human, mate. Yeah. So it's like I'm certain there's other species whose arms come off, like the Gorn. They're lizard yeah. people. They can probably have an arm off. I don't know. Fucking this, the changelings turn up later. They sleep in a bucket. What the? F- <laughs> <laughs> but I do like the fact that like yeah, they really Maddox... should be, they should use the word person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, what I do like about this is Maddox is the bad guy. And he's, he plays up to it because he's... But equally, he just doesn't believe Data is a person. Yeah. And whilst I think he's wrong, his view is he's not a person and not letting me do this is holding back the like discoveries and science and things I could discover. And even at the end of it, like Data's like, if you get along further to where your research doesn't sound terrifying and deadly, I'm more than happy to assist you. Like, where, like, I think that is very much. Look, look, if we ever kill Law, you can have him. You can have yeah, his body. That was a bit, why, why wasn't they ever just like, well, sorry for losing the case. Um, I have a brother, and he's <laughs> cartoonishly so. Some would say. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, the thing is, I, I would make quite detailed notes on this episode, and then I got to the end, and I've just written in huge letters. This is the best Picard speech. Yeah, I. I'm, I'm the same. I haven't got. I, one of my notes is just little Tasha Yar hologram. Oh yes, Data's personal possessions when he's leaving is like a book Picard gave him. Mm-hmm. His collection of I, I do like as well when they're like he's swearing in, mm-hmm. and um, they're going to like cut through a cut oh, skip over his record, and Picard's like no 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 no, read out his full record, and it's like Medal of Valor, Medal of Honor. <laughs> it's like, yeah. and he's got his medals like, and he's taking them with him, which there's no reason, there's no logical. Or like uh, anything other than it's the only reason he's taking them with him is that he wants to, 
which is like a very not human person thing. To yeah, do, exactly. It's I mean. a very conscious thing to do. Also, I really yeah. like the, the the instigation that um, when they're signing data and it comes to commander data, uh, lieutenant commander data, medal of valor for this, blah 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 for this, and and Riker goes, uh, we can just add this in later. That's not how the that's not how court works. <laughs> you can't just oh stenographer, uh, just 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 put uh, just put in three dots. We'll figure it out in a bit. Yeah. No. We can uh, no, yeah. I don't. I like. I like the fact that they can like. Uh, like you can jump over Maddox later on. They kind of jump over his stuff, and that's fine. I get that. But when you are debating whether or not somebody counts as a person, I think that you can't skip over the number of times they've saved the lives of everybody else on the crew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it, it is an interesting. I I never really thought about it that way. What you said about Maddox, which is that. He just doesn't consider data a person. He, I, I would argue that he does by the end, and it's not, yeah, no, it's not does. just court mandated. Um, no, yeah, like, like, like you know what, you know what the trans people are doing these days. Like, if if, <laughs> if you refuse to call them by the correct pronoun, they take you to court, and then if you don't do that, they send you to the moon. Have you read, have you read that? <laughs> yeah, yes, that's definitely what happens, and it's never that other things that weren't widely reported happened. That yeah. because that person their job. Uh, it's like it's like, hey, oh, I got fired for not using their pronouns. Well, what did you do? Well, I wrote your pronouns don't count in massive letters on their car. Well, that's in why you got fired, isn't it? <laughs> in lamb's blood. <laughs> Lamb was the name of the trans person. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I, I've got to say as well. Um, there was a moment in this episode where Data did something that brought me such joy. So to demonstrate that Data isn't a machine and not a man, there's many tasks that he is um, asked to do. He goes through his things. But one of the things is that Riker gives him a beam of plaid uh, steel to hold. And Bender, uh, sorry, uh, Data bends it in half. <laughs> Yeah. In an obvious tribute to the fourth over of robotics, Bender bending Rodriguez. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that's Picard's, like, what a terrible... I hope that isn't the thing that Riker figures out when we see him oh, alone he's, and, then he's, get, and then gets a little smile on his face. Because what a, what a bullshit argument. Like, even Picard really is like, there's other things that are really strong that are people. <laughs> so what? Yeah. Vulcans can, like... Flow somebody across a fucking room, yeah. like, yeah. Vol- that doesn't being Superman counts as a person. Yeah. Homelander doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, here's a but, here's a fun bit of um, here's a fun bit of trivia that I found in a documentary in a documentary in a comment on her blog. Uh, writer Melissa Melinda Mal- I can't remember now. I haven't written it down. Probably I think it was Melinda Melinda Snodgrass recalls how Gene Roddenberry nearly shot down the story. Quote, As to the issue of law in Gene's vision, he nearly killed the measure of a man because according to Gene, there were no lawyers in the 24th century because if people had criminal intentions, they, quote, had their minds made right. End quote. Melissa, I found that chilling. (laughs) I, I also pointed out that you have to have contracts and conflicts of law between different legal systems and probably divorces. Uh, so there's no way there would be no lawyers in the future. Yeah. Also, I'm going to point this out. There are, like, legal courtroom episodes of the original series that apparently Gene forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, how 
Hang on a minute. The entire plot of Star Trek V, The Undiscovered Country, is that fucking Kirk gets framed and sent to jail. (laughs) (laughs) He used to have his mind set right. (laughs) Fucking hell. Gene was... This was... uh, Let's be fair. This was close to the end for Gene. Yeah. So let's... There was some... He was saying the quiet part out loud. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. If... If you're a right winger and you somehow both watch Star Trek and listen to this podcast, yeah, this is this is the terrifying side of socialism. You're right to be concerned about. Well played. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of socialism, what a fucking bizarre form of poker they were all playing. It was, and I, I wrote down: Is this socialized poker? So, as far as I can tell, because they were playing um, uh, Hold'em, uh, yeah. no five card stud to start with. Right. And then they were playing uh, a variant called Omaha afterwards. So I think it was Dealer's Choice. Is that a real um, version? That uh, So Dealer's Choice is a real thing that you can play where you change round each hand yeah. and stuff like that. Um, and Omaha has some, like, you can play high-low Omaha where you are playing essentially two flops where it's, you, you're looking to get the best and worst possible hand. Oh. Um and you have a hand of like six cards, but you only play four of them. There's some very weird. The problem is that like so the the Texas Hold'em being like standard poker mm-hmm. came about because um, in America they started televising it. Yeah, it was because of um, movies, wasn't it? That was the one that they started playing on TV. Yeah. And so and it also works really well with the under table camera with the glass yeah. bit over the top. And this is one of my favourite facts of all time. The man who invented the uh, under glass uh, camera. Uh, the undertable glass camera was a Holocaust survivor who survived by getting put into the accounting wing of the um, of the camp he was sent to, despite the fact that he'd never done any maths and he was completely bluffing. Um, after he got out and uh, escaped, not only did he invent the undertable camera for televising poker, he also invented Mark Transformers. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Surely Transformers yeah. were invented in Japan. Well, the he's so his role was he was the guy who got the uh, like there was a bunch of different toy lines and he was the one who like brought them together, put them under like a single banner, That's and then right. rolled out the the cartoon. Yeah, uh, I yeah. think that's a fact I learned from my mate Alan Bolster. So if that isn't true, and you're listening to this, blame him. Uh, and and Alan is Alan is the husband of our one Patreon, but we're going to lose her as well because I want to say this. I want to say this right now to Joe, if you're listening. They point out in this episode, Joe, that the way Data unwraps presents to make sure that he keeps all the paper together isn't right and isn't human and is weird and he's completely missed the point of presents. So Joe, stop doing that, okay? I know you want to like preserve the wrapping paper so you can use it again, but it's weird and no one likes it and it takes you ages to unwrap a Christmas present and the rest of us want to get on with things. Sorry, that's right. I so so we're not allowed to criticise her husband in case she starts paying, but we can fucking weigh on it, huh? I've said that to her face multiple times. All right, times. Uh, Joe, um, you're a cunt. We, we... Um, no, I take that back, Joe. I apologise. We've never met. I, I have no idea. I mean, from what Eddie has told me, um, <laughs> you seem nice other than the Christmas present thing. That is bizarre. Yeah, yeah. But just do it's what we do. Little... Just, just open your presents in isolation. Because. I hate I hate presents. I I genuinely hate presents. I hate gifts. I I I honest. There's no way to make me feel more suspicious of something going on than to give me something just out of nowhere. I'll and and it makes me super uncomfortable and I hate it. Like no one, no one except for Laura and probably my brother 
and my mum's pretty good at this as well. Um, you will never, ever, 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 ever give me something that's like good enough to make up for how guilty I feel for receiving that thing from you for free. You've um, you've been like this ever since you worked security at Troy, though. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. So I, so I, but, uh, I fucking I get it. Like, I, 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 if anything, Joe, I understand why you're taking the paper off really slowly. It's so well. No, I get. No, actually, do you know what? I think she's in the right because here's the thing: when you take the paper off of a gift, you can get to. You've probably figured out what it is fairly quickly, right? And what you're doing there is you're give, you're giving yourself time to stall to help get yourself into the, the mindset of being impressed by whatever piece of shit this person has given you. Whereas if you rip it off, it's like, you know, you get the you, that's the full surprise. Like you're you're there, you're in. You've you've got to deal with that. So I, I think Joe's in the right <laughs> I like the idea that you unwrap and get all your genuine emotion out in a separate room and then can come back and be like, oh yeah, that was grand. Cheers. I <laughs> hate opening presents. Um, I, it, like, when I, like, when I'm in charge, like, Christmas is getting banned for a number of reasons, but that's number one. It's... Right, Cromwell. <laughs> <laughs> you don't win people over by banning Christmas. That's why we're stuck with a monarchy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I was going to say um, one thing I like in this as well is Data's argument for preserving his life isn't like because I would argue like if somebody said to me they wanted to like rip me apart and see how I worked I would uh, point out that the, the correct argument and the only argument that's required is go fuck yourself <laughs> Um <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I feel like if, if someone sufficiently smarter than I was, and they, but Maddox is a commander, which yeah, I I think was just an excuse, so that he doesn't have to um, address data by his title. But yeah, uh, if someone came up to me and they were like, "I can," like you are the smartest man in the world, I'd be like, "Thanks for noticing." But they'd be like, <laughs> "But we can make more of you. If but you need to let me take you apart." Now, here's the thing. We'll be able to back you up, and I'll just put you all back together again, and, and it'll be fine. And, and if it, Do you know what? If anything, I'll, I'll fix that, that astigmatism in your eye. Like, I will make you better. Um, and uh, I, I wouldn't say no right away. I'd, okay. I'd think about it. I mean, it wouldn't be a long time, but I'd be like, oh, I don't know, man. Yeah. I'd be like, show me some papers. I mean, so, like, in fairness to Data as well, there's a genuinely... So, like I say, so he argues, like, uh, I believe I was created by Dr. Sung. I'm his legacy. I am unique in the universe, and destroying me would be destroying something wonderful. Oh, data, yeah, he really blows his own horn in this. Yeah, um, which I kind of get, and I agree with. But equally, I'm thinking about it, it's like, nobody's more up for there being more androids than Data. <laughs> yeah, He's currently, he currently has met exactly one of his own kind, and he was a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> like, it'd be nice to just hang out with another oh we've got another android is he a murderer no oh okay well he's infinitely better than the only other android I've ever met <laughs> <laughs> yeah but does he like Sherlock Holmes no he thinks our fucking android was a prick oh well that's <laughs> zero for two then isn't it 
He, he loves Harry Potter, though. Oh, he got on really well with Pulaski. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's because it, detail. Like, I, the, the arguments are that uh, in order to to prove that something has self sentience, sentience, right? So in order to prove that something has sentience, it has to be intelligent, it has to be conscious, and it has to be self-aware. Um, yeah. Data proves that he is intelligent by just proving yeah, that he's intelligent. That's fine. Yeah. That's 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 right off. Self-awareness is pretty interesting because Picard just says, "What what are we doing?" And Data says, yeah. "We're at a trial to figure out whether or not I am sentient." Right? So that's that big checkbox type. But consciousness. The thing is, right? Data, and sometimes I think that the the writers forget what emotions are. Um, yeah, because data like they're like oh he doesn't have emotions he's an android and it's like what well, no but he enjoys things like he yeah he doesn't understand like when him and Jordy do Sherlock Holmes he doesn't understand why Jordy doesn't like get on board with the way that he's doing it but he enjoys that like he he yeah. likes knowing the answers to all the. To all the to all the mysteries, he he gets joy out of having solved the mystery, even if he solves it right away because he already knows how it ends. Yeah, it's a bit it's, a, it's a, a bit like like a lot of people in when they play Grand Theft Auto Four, they like to do the missions or maybe do the side things or maybe go and try and try and get all the collectibles and stuff. Whereas I, uh, just as I've said on this podcast many times, uh, just get a grenade, uh, cook it, and then run into a hospital. <laughs> Because it gives me quite, it gives me. It's a nice catharsis, isn't it? Yeah. No, I'm with you. Like, my my greatest moment of gaming ever isn't the fact that I have done completed any game. It's the fact that I have managed to do a wall of death over the dam in GTA uh, in GTA San Andreas, and I've managed to get the hot knife up to the top of the mountain, drive it off the ramp, and land it. Right. That's that's not the game. Yeah. But I enjoyed it. I might be doing it wrong. But there's a great line in um, a Terry Pratchett book. So one of the recurring characters in the Discworld books is Death, mm. and Death, as they re- regularly say, doesn't have emotions. And there's a line about how he ends up with an adopted daughter at one point. And there's a line in the Terry Pratchett which is obviously Death can't feel pity, but he might think it. And that's like an interesting yeah. thing. Is like how much of data's like, how much of emotion... Because when you think about it, like, emotion is, like, it's a feeling, and it's, it's been established in Star Trek. You can't describe emotions without using other emotions. So if you don't have them, you can't explain them. But there's four patterns that go with them. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, like, I, you feel angry because thing reminds you of thing or upsets you because it is an injustice. Like, there's a, a logical... Like, there's a thought process that follows, at least to your brain, logical steps that lead you to experience an emotion, mm-hmm. even if the emotion itself isn't particularly logical. So Data, like, Data likes... Like, I enjoy these books because the character is, in my opinion, somewhat representative of how I experience the world. Therefore, I like that character. Therefore, I like... So, yeah, it's... Yeah, it's how much of, like, what you feel is feeling and how much of it which is just like glands flooding your brain with like chemicals and how yeah. much is what your brain is actually fucking thinking yeah because i i have a thing that i one of my um kind of uh sort of worries that that i have well not, not so much worries maybe maybe it's a bit of an insecurity and this is going to sound fucking like first act of a fucking romantic comedy um, is that, uh, uh, well to, to preface this, I don't I don't believe in the idea of unconditional love. 
I, I don't think it's no. real. I, 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 I think it's a thing that has essentially been sold to us, um, as and not, and not by capitalism, but by society. But I, I don't, I don't think it's real. I, I, I think, I think we get very close to it. I think there are relationships that are essentially that, but I, I, there's, I don't believe that that, that, that that any love isn't conditional. Um, but yeah. um, I sometimes worry with. Uh, I, I I occasionally worry that I I, and again, sorry, this is going to sound fucking Tom like Nicholas Sparks or whatever. I I worry that I don't feel love the same way that other people do, like for, and I, and I don't I don't mean for my fiance. Like I, I'm pretty I'm fairly sure I love my fiance. That was a fucking weird way to put that. I, I think we need to cut that out of this episode because she's definitely going to. She's definitely no. What, what what I conceive love as being, I have for you, Laura. At its maximum capacity, right? My worry is 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 that what everyone else has? It's like the thing of the way that I see the color red is definitely not the way you see the color red. Is this the same thing? Because um, because I, I like, th- there are people that that my uh, well, for example, like th- there are there are people that my brother would be like, oh, I th- th- we're both maybe related to. Um, where my brother would be like, "Well, I I love that person. Obviously, I love that person." I'm like, I my brain just considers that a person that I know. Yeah, I'm, there's no. It's like, it's like there's, I, there's, I, there's I, nothing. I re, I regard them in the way I would regard like a favorite teacher, maybe maybe yeah. not even a favorite so, teacher. Yeah, it's like how can I put it? It's like because I, I can get where you're coming from because like like I'm no contact with my mother. Yeah, which is like, and um, so there's a part of me that always goes, "Well, is that?" Is there something wrong with me? Because I know other people like oh like you see people posting about it, like Facebook oh mother's love blah 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 and it's just like ah I can take it or leave it yeah right you know? <laughs> so does that mean does does that mean that like they like so you see but it's you, you're trying to communicate when you're talking about emotions you're trying to communicate a thing then the only way you can communicate it with is words which are an imperfect form of communication anyway yeah um, and you can't so if you I have no idea if what I feel is the same as what other people feel. Yeah. Like, and for me, for me, it's like, like with anger, I can be angry. Like, people go, "Oh, rage doesn't last for long." It's like, no, I've been angry about certain things since I was like four, right? <laughs> and it's, and it's just, do I? Is that me? Is that? But and also, I've done. Um, so I've. This isn't going to be a revelation for anybody listening. I've been through therapy a few times, um, and I've done like neural linguistic programming, yeah. where like you change your thought patterns it's like when you start thinking this think this instead so that then gets into the point of like my emotions are at least partially controlled by my thoughts and we know data has thoughts so like is he what to what degree what component does he because he also it's also like like if you didn't have emotions why would data give a fuck about like data what is it yeah or like he wants to like learn more and like has aspirations and like the whole episode where he's trying to learn to be funny because it eludes him and it's interesting to him that he can't do it that's intriguing if you don't have emotions then your only real reason for being is survival so you would just the the same way that, that like a really kind of lower consciousness animal so not even like a dog or a cat talking like a fucking centipede right like they don't really they don't have emotions their their thing is just to survive so they will do what the their logical neurons 
fire as being the thing to do to survive. But yeah. Data is essentially invulnerable, so he doesn't need anything to survive. Yeah, he doesn't yeah, need anyone else. He could just he yeah. could, and 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 do you know what? I mean, maybe maybe he craves stimuli, but even um, there's no proof of that really. Like he, there well, is a base instinct. Left... He could just fucking float around in space and he'd be fine. Yeah, like and if he doesn't, if he does, unlike the rest of us, like he can turn himself off. Yeah. So he's like, oh, there's no going on. I'll turn myself off for six years. I'll turn myself back on. Oh. Now, uh, <laughs> all that bullshit we just said wasn't as concise as what uh, Picard said, and we definitely yeah. would not have won this case. No, but this is, <laughs> but 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 this this is to me. So I I, I have a genuine belief that science fiction is, and whilst it's looked down upon by some people, I genuinely believe it's one of the most important forms of storytelling. It's the most human because. It, yeah, that's, it, what it allows you to do is you want to ex- if you want to explore what it means to be human, you can do that in lots of different ways. But in science fiction, what you get to do is introduce a control group. Yeah. Where it's like, well, we do like for example, so great example, we have emotions. Original Star Trek, Spock's there. Spock has if it comes to a society where they don't believe emotions are a good thing and everything is logical and everything's out. Goes, how is that different? What does that mean? Does that change? Is it our emotions that make us, or is Spock equally valid without them? And then you get onto like Data as a great character of being like, no, he's like a completely separate entity. He like all of the human experiences, like birth, die, like death, all that never never happens to him. So he's completely separate. He doesn't have a family, anything like that. And then like you also rob him of of what we would consider core human experiences, and then get to go. Does that count? Is that a person? What at what point do you cease to be a person? At what point do you become more? And and you can only really do that in science fiction by having these. Oh, this is a different idea from the built from the ground up as best we can. Yeah, and that's what makes it. And that's what makes like Star Trek fucking important. Because it'd be fucking bizarre if this episode was written by Danielle Steele, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be, you know, it'd be great. Would be like if, right, Judy Blume, Star Trek: The Next Generation, a version of a man. <laughs> what would be great would be if, like, by the end of it, like Picard just sat there and was like over at Riker and was like, "Oh no, no, fair play." Uh, <laughs> Convince me? Yeah, I guess not. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it would. Have, it would have said. It would have thought you found that subroutine that you could turn off that says "pretend to be sentient." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Jordy, Jordy will be a bit devastated, but at the end of the day, can't see him cry, so who cares? <laughs> the thing is, is like I love in science fiction though when it's always like, oh, we'll make robotic people and then we'll treat them like like slaves and send them out to work in the fields. Whereas in real life, I regularly, I still say please and thank you to Alexa. <laughs> oh, well then she's then when the robot oh, yeah. comes, she, mate, you're fucked. <laughs> Laura, Laura's pretty scared of it. I'm, I'm fairly confident it's it's not happening um because it, it, it is it, it is always that that thing like in any story really where an ai becomes sentient and then decides to fucking kill everyone it always glosses over the fact that computers can't do anything we don't program them to do you know yeah, what i mean what if we program them to learn 
but, and they learn but it would only it. learn within a certain parameter. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's um there's a fu- oh, okay uh, so this is this is by the way one of my favourite like science stories I've ever read. Um, so somebody um like designed this designed a system mm-hmm. for future medical robots, mm-hmm. and the idea was like that you'd like have like medical robots that like lift a person out of bed who's like infirm and like put them in a wheelchair and stuff, and they wanted to like allow them the ability to learn better ways like over time to lift people and, like do their tasks. And then it decided, they decided, well, if one of them's learning this, maybe we should create some sort of network that links them all together where they could communicate each other and pass on best practices. And then, Mark, for a joke, they thought it would be funny to call it Skynet. <laughs> At that point, I was like, so when one learns to kill, they will all learn to kill. <laughs> yeah, but imagine if the future in Terminator had just been uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's T-800 just in an old folks' home. Just like helping an old man empty his catheter and shit, and then and then and then and then when he and then when he leaves, and the old man's like, "Don't leave," and he's like, "I'll be back." You you you're proud of yourself for that one, aren't you? Well, but <laughs> no, it'll be fine. The, on, <laughs> well, the only way we're get the only way that we're getting an AI that's going to kill us is when we inevitably find it on a distant planet, lying down on a stone bed. <laughs> but oh man, this episode's so fucking good. Yeah, it's so good. Like, it, it, like if you if you don't watch any other Star Trek, at, yeah, at this all, is this is this is it. This is just watch this one. It, it will give you everything that you need. There's, yeah, there's no fucking space fighting in it, but that's very that's always very little of what Star Trek is. It's it's about yeah. the big ideas and and thoughts and and how how do we become a more egalitarian society and how how do we civil rights and equality for all. This is what this is what Star Trek is for me. Yeah, it's this is an episode that stands like like Star Trek is 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 great and it's a wonderful cultural institution. This episode stands with like Arthur C. Clarke and like Isaac Asimov. It's just great pieces of science fiction writing, because yeah. that's what's that's fundamentally that's what Star Star Trek is. Star Trek is taking a lot of very great and interesting science fiction concepts and kind of packaging them for a mainstream audience. Mm-hmm. And I get that like Star Trek is still incredibly nerdy, not in its own little corner. But there's a lot of stuff in this that the average person wouldn't. I think I think it's fair to say a lot of people who are into science fiction. Star Trek was probably where they like it's the first taste of it to a degree. Yeah, if, yeah. Like as a kid, saw old episodes of the of like the original series, and were like, "Oh, you could, stories in space." Yes, please. And then I read like the complete robot, like all of Arthur C. Clarke's robot stories. Yeah, uh, and it, yeah, it's just it's so good. It's so good. This episode, like we can't, we can't do justice to the Picard speech. No, but it starts like it's the the la- final courtroom scene of this is like the last fifteen minutes of the episode. Uh, and I, I love I, one thing I do is like, I love how it ends, which is that like Riker is like not at the celebration that they're having the data's and data comes to be like, well, why aren't you there? And Riker's like, I argued to the best of my ability to have you killed data, and data's like, and if you hadn't have done that, I would have been killed. So, thank you. Fair play. And it's just yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, and then Riker gets to go, you're a wise man, my friend, and all that shit. 
but oh man what's your favourite so um, gotcha closing argument in courtroom movies um, it's, de- it's, gonna, it's gonna be now imagine she was white from okay, now I'm at, okay. A Time to Kill <laughs> now, and now imagine she was white was good I'm not yeah. underplaying the emotional resonance of now imagine she was white which is absolutely <laughs> fucking astonishing oh. How, however my all time favourite has to go to Elle Woods's, um you couldn't have had a shower if you'd just permed your hair in Legally Blonde yeah yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Or, or my cousin Vinny's your food takes longer to cook than you said it took to cook. Therefore, my client is innocent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. Uh, well, yeah, I think um, we did it. Yeah, I think we did it. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't. I didn't look ahead at what next week's is. Nope. Um, we'll have to work out whether, when we're filming, recording next week's with our holidays and everything. Yep. Um, but um, yeah, great. It's 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 the first truly great TNG episode. It's one of the all-time great Star Trek episodes. Even if you don't watch the show at all, and I, I, weirdly, I know one of my friends listens to this who's never watched Star Trek, and I'm going to say this particularly to you, Ivan. Just watch it on Netflix. Measure of a Man. I genuinely, you'll enjoy it. It's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, laugh okay. a minute. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, Bye. Like and subscribe. Bye. Yeah, leave a good review. All right. Yeah. Anyway, and don't. And do you know what? And and like right. See if you did, see if you don't like it. Don't be a dick. Don't don't leave a shit review on iTunes or whatever. Just come and abuse us yeah. on Facebook. Yeah. yeah, send us a personal message telling yeah. us what you think of us. But either, if you do like it, leave, give us a nice glowing five star review, yeah. please. Either leave a five stars or fucking doxes. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Leaving a one star review is a fucking coward's move. Yeah, if you want to leave us a one-star review, I will happily send you my address and we can fight. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. Well, um, bye. Bye. The Captain Slog is performed by Mark O'Neill and Eddie Edwards. You can follow both of them on Twitter and Instagram. Mark's at RealMarkO'Neill and Eddie is at EdEdwardsComedy. If you like the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter and now on YouTube at Captain Slog. And we have a Facebook page as well. Or if you really like what we do here, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Captain Slog.